0: Christopher Scalia, the editor of Scalia Speaks, Reflections on Law, Faith.
1: I'm doing well, thank you.
0: It is so good to hear your voice, and we want to talk about uh, the book that you've edited called Scalia Speaks, Reflections on Law, Faith, and a Life Well-Lived about uh, your dad. And uh, Christopher, I'm thinking, you know, nine kids in a house, and uh, some of the things I've I've read about your family Uh, Remind me of such a throwback, and I'm not saying that in a bad way, but what was it like to sit around at that dinner table and and argue uh, salient points with your parents?
1: Well, you know, it was fun. Um, uh, We didn't always argue salient points. I I think a a lot of people are under the impression that uh, every dinner was like a, a salon conversation where we were... Uh, you know, disputing the finer points of uh, of one debate or another, but you know we did we did talk politics and religion a little bit, but um, mostly it was just fun. we talked about all sorts of things we talked about television or you know of course the, you know how our days were and what each of us did, and told jokes and told stories and It was fun and i I really miss uh, I enjoyed it growing up. My father always made the point of being home for dinner which was which was hard for him. Um, you know, it's easy to spend, when you have a job like that, to spend all day at the office. But he made a point of being home with us and um, saying grace uh, before every dinner and, uh, you know, kind of really left an impression on me about about the importance of spending that kind of time.
0: Did you ever have to give any kind of a persuasive presentation to your parents about something that you really wanted in life, whether it be, would be to, oh, I don't know, break curfew or, or take the car or whatever, that uh, turned into... Uh, a very good discussion for you and your parents.
1: Uh I can think of a couple instances. One is when I tried to convince my dad that he would uh that he would like um a band I liked. I think it was Radiohead at the time. And I was trying, you know, he had he liked opera and classical. There was no way I was actually going to persuade him to listen to them, but but uh I I summoned up some arguments appealing to his interest in um uh... sophisticated musicianship and fine lyrics and things like that uh... he never did eventually listen to radiohead but it was a fun argument to make uh... and then uh... you know of course like any kid i would try to talk my talk my way out of having to do to do work uh... usually with my dad it would be work around the yard um... and i never convinced him to let me or rarely convinced him to let me off the hook there the only time i finally made my case was when um... we discovered i was very allergic to bees and 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 the only time that I ever got stung was when I was doing yard work, so that, that got me off the hook, finally.
0: Yeah, I read something that you wrote about, um, you didn't feel he had time to mow the lawn, and you wanted him to do it, and he said something to the effect of, don't you think a Supreme Court justice yeah. also has things to do?
1: <laughs> I had a cross-country meet, and, uh, and he wanted me to mow the, the yard, so he he did it, and he made me feel guilty by reminding me that um, <laughs> you know he had other things to do, too.
0: When you were uh, setting out to put together this work, which has uh, all kinds of uh, memories that you've assembled, uh, speeches that he gave or reflections that you have, uh, how, how difficult was it to limit a book? I'm sure publishers only want a book of uh, X amount of a size. And uh, how did you manage to get that put together?
1: Well, that, that really was the hardest part. We read close to 200 speeches um, my co-editor was Ed Wayland, who uh, clerked for my father. And uh, it was, there were so many great speeches um, about so many, uh, so many different topics, including a few surprising ones. The hardest part was choosing which to include. Um, but we, we wanted to just select speeches we thought that general readers, not, not legal specialists, would, not, or I should say not only legal specialists would enjoy. Um, and so that, that was kind of like the, the guiding framework of, uh, of how to go about um, deciding which ones not to include. Um, but we ended up including uh, four dozen speeches, so there's, there's plenty of variety in here. And I think uh, something to interest everybody, but I think a lot of people will be interested by all the speeches. They're really high quality throughout.
0: We know that um, the uh, the court sometimes seems very, very uh, polarized, divided, whatever you want to say. But I think there's really something in this court that could be a lesson to other people in the country who often feel divided and polarized. And that is the relationship between your dad and Ruth Bader Ginsburg, a, two, an unlikely pair to say the least, right?
1: yeah that 's right uh, they they didn 't agree much uh politically or or legally, but they had been friends since really the early eighties when they f- were first on a court together and they um they had that friendship up to the, to the end of his life. She wrote the foreword to this book um, really grateful she did that, and my father uh Delivered a roast for her when when uh, he was on the Supreme Court and she was still on the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals, and it was very very funny roast, but also very moving because uh, he he tells her how much he misses working with her and what a great co- great colleague uh, she was, n- not knowing that in a couple of years she would be back on the court with him. Um, I think you're right. Their their friendship is a testament and and a reminder to all of us that that there's more to life than politics, and uh, it's possible. To um, have very great friendships with uh, with people you disagree with, they focused on what they had in common and they had uh, they had more than enough in common to have a, a very long and enduring friendship.
0: did you ever did you spend much time with her or any of the other justices? I mean uh, it, it's a strange situation because they're so high profile but here you are as a, a younger guy and uh, your dad's on the court. did you manage to have any interaction with them? And and is there somebody that stands out to you as uh, a wonderful person or a great influence in your own life?
1: Well, uh, yeah, I did spend some time with them uh, just, you know, at usually formal social occasions, maybe events at the courts or or weddings. Um, Justice Ginsburg, we invited Justice Ginsburg to I invited her to my wedding. She wasn't able to make it, but she got us a very nice gift and um Justice Byron White lived in my neighborhood and he was uh, he was a great neighbor. I delivered his newspapers and he never complained when we got in there late and he gave me a nice graduation present for high school and um they were just all um they were all very nice to to, to us, to my family when whenever I encountered them and especially after my father's death. They were extraordinarily supportive, um and caring and concerned um, and, and really a great help to, in particular to my mother.
0: When uh, we think about the, the work that your dad did, it, it obviously is so important because these decisions are watched very closely by a lot of people in the country. Can you recall a time when your your dad was in his study at night maybe struggling over something? Did he ever talk to you about this work or in the aftermath of a particular decision where he was maybe trying to explain to you why he came to a certain conclusion
1: yeah well i would I would ask him questions about cases um, after they were um, after the opinions were delivered uh, just to, if i didn't understand what he wrote or what whatever whoever wrote the opinion he sided with if i didn't understand a point, I would just ask for clarification. He would never uh, give me any new insights that people who are better at reading opinions would have gotten. But yeah, I did talk to him about things like that. And occasionally he would, really only a couple of times, he would ask me questions about um, not really what I, certainly not what I would decide, but what I thought of a particular point. Um, But you know, he he would never, he he couldn't tell us how he was going to vote. And certainly, I I don't think I ever had any influence in in how he voted, but he was just kind of pick my would occasionally try to pick our brains a little bit um but uh for the most part i tried not to it's not that i didn't try to, it's not that i avoided talking to him about the court and I, I certainly did talk to him about his work a little bit but but we had so many other things to talk about um apart from him you know there there are nine of us uh, nine children and my mom there are plenty of other topics for conversation so um i would say you know That was one of the things we just talked about the least.
0: Did you ever have a a conversation with him where you disagreed with one of these decisions and and said, you know, can you explain to me why? I mean, is is that a fair question?
1: You know, I honestly don't remember a conversation like that. Um, I found myself um, being siding with my father and and his reasoning in in every instance I can think of. Um, There may have been an instance where I thought he was wrong, but I certainly wouldn't think that I knew better than him. Uh, You know what I mean? So, uh, yeah, no, no, no examples of that come to mind
0: when you uh, look back at uh, the the loss of your dad which was so sudden to people i mean he he was he, he was older i mean he was 79 and that's older but still at the same time he he seemed so vital and uh, some of these individuals working on the courts just uh, seem like you know there's no end in sight for them um, and then of course it it forced this very public um, searching for his replacement, and of course there was a lot of uh, rancor on that because of uh, the nomination under President Obama that uh, was not acted upon. What was it like in the aftermath uh, of your dad's death in these regards?
1: Well, I, I mean, obviously the, the biggest effect, I, I'm aware that there were huge political uh, repercussions, but for me and for my family, that it was uh, the The personal consequences and, and and the pain in that regard was was very powerful and and obviously what concerned us the most um, he wasn't he wasn 't young uh, he was vital but he wasn 't in perfect health uh, so it was it was shocking to us and um you know just, I think the hardest thing was just not. Not seeing him the last time, and not not being able, uh, or not knowing when the the last time I saw him would be the last time, and uh, not not really getting a chance to say goodbye to him that that was painful. And obviously, not the only child who's had to go through that, um, but that was the most painful part of it for me. And uh, I'm still at this stage where, and and I'm told this never really stops. I I want to tell him something. Something happens in my day, or I read something, and I think, oh, Dad would love this, and I I want to tell them and I I, there's a split second where I forget that that I won't be able to anymore little things like that are still pretty difficult
0: what made you decide to put this work together What, what was the driving force for you
1: well I I thought it was really important for um as many people as possible um to encounter my father's idea and person ideas and personality so uh the legal the legal ideas and were obviously the most important um, and this collection is a great opportunity for um, general readers, not just legal scholars, to understand my father's uh point of view and and reasoning for being the kind of judge that he was um, and beyond that, I thought it was i thought people would just like like to know more about him and his his views on religion and uh and just his, uh, his understanding of the American founding, of what makes America a great country, um, and the things he enjoyed. The, this, this collection gives a lot of insights into his childhood, like the games and sports he played when he was growing up in Queens, and his pastimes like turkey hunting and things, things like that. So I saw it just as an important way to kind of establish his legacy and, and to help, him, help his ideas uh, endure.
0: How's your mom doing and does she like the book
1: um my mom is is doing well she's a very strong woman um and she has a lot of support from from her friends and um and her her many children and grandchildren so it's one of the advantages of a big family i think um, and uh yeah, she likes the book she she um uh, uh, I think it's. I think she likes it. For one of the reasons, I think a lot of people will like it is that my father's voice comes through very clearly in the speeches, and it's it's as if uh, it's as if he's still speaking. It's a powerful experience.
0: Christopher Scalia, the editor of Scalia Speaks: Reflections on Law, Faith, and a Life Well Lived, and that that last line I think uh, strikes with us because uh, whenever somebody has a fantastic legacy. It is uh, always great to honor it so uh, thanks for doing the show today it's great to hear from you
1: thank you very much Sue I appreciate it thanks for your time thing. we really need
0: new phones T-Mobile
1: will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s and each line is only 25 dollars a month new iPhone
0: 15s it's over here. only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for 25 bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch.